Welcome to the DaVinci Hour podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Maxwell Cooper, and in this podcast series, I interview physicians, medical innovators, and entrepreneurs making an impact on healthcare. This podcast is produced by DaVinci Academy, a multimedia medical education company that provides podcasts, video courses, and digital textbooks. You can see more on our website, www.dbiacademy.com and our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash C slash DaVinci Academy Med. This podcast is sponsored by Doc2Doc, the personal lending platform designed for doctors by doctors. Do you have some big expenses in the near future? Maybe you're moving, applying to residency or fellowship, fixing up your car or home, or starting a new practice. Doc2Doc believes that traditional lenders overestimate the risk of lending money to doctors, residents, and medical students, focusing too much on the challenges of their financial past and giving them insufficient credit for the promise of their financial future. Check out Dr. Doc's personal loan options at drdoclending.com slash DaVinci. Hey everybody, welcome back to the DaVinci Hour podcast. I'm honored this week to be joined by Dr. Rock Adkins and Dr. Casey Adkins. Uh, they're husband and wife. They're both physicians, and then they're also co-founders of a new platform called Stat Career. So, guys, welcome to the podcast. Really happy to have you here. Yeah, wow. thanks for having us, Maxwell. Yeah, thank you so much. Excited to be here, Maxwell. Awesome, awesome. Well, why don't you guys maybe tell us a little bit more about you know who you guys are, um, you know what your specialties are, where you did your training, you know how you guys met uh, as two physicians, and a little bit of you know what you guys are working on. Sure. Yeah. So. Uh, my name is Rockford Atkins. I go by Rock, and I'm an interventional radiologist. Uh, I'm in practice here in a private practice in the Midwest. I'm going on seven years now, and uh, I was born and raised in Ohio. I did my um, fellowship training at, at Johns Hopkins and uh, came back to Ohio, and uh, we've been here for a while now. And I'm Casey Adkins, and uh, born and raised in Las Vegas. Uh, moved to Ohio, met Rock during my intern year. Uh, I am a board-certified fellowship-trained Mohs surgeon, completed my training um, at the Cleveland Clinic, and we stayed in Ohio. Yep. Awesome. And I've been out, um, I, this is my seventh year in practice. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. You guys are you know, two of the high, uh, highest-level uh, fellowships and, and specialties right there. That's awesome. Um, Busy times. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So are you guys both in private practice right now? Yeah. So good question. I've been at the, with the same group and we, this is, um, we have a lot of, of very opposites with us. I think that's what makes us work pretty well, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, and so with, with myself, like I've been in the same private group since I came out of fellowship. And so I have a good insight on like what it takes to kind of grind the partnership track, get into a, a private group and practice in like sort of a community-based hospital that's very busy. Um, and so Casey has sort of different, um, experiences along her way too. Yeah. So I worked for, um, a private practice. I worked for a multi-specialty organization. Um, and currently I'm a 1099 independent contractor and I now work for myself, which is great. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. It's sort of the dream, right? (laughs) It is. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Great, great. Um, so I, I want to give you guys just a chance to talk about stack careers, which I think is it's really an innovative because you know I'm PGY three, so I'm still a little bit ways off from the job search. But I from just even talking to people early, it's not that straightforward process that we were so used to, where it's you know you fill out all these applications, you just kind of send them out, and they kind of pick you or they match you, if if you will, in the in the match. And there there really is, at least until you guys came along, there's not really a match for getting jobs. So I guess 
maybe give us an overview of what Stat Careers is and like what you guys are you know offering for both really employers and applicants, which is pretty cool. So we are an all-inclusive uh, recruitment platform that helps match candidates with the employers in medicine. And so we do this with a lot of uh, industry firsts and the ideas that we have developed over the years through our own struggles and also seeing other people struggle with this in medicine uh, and what we've kind of learned the hard way over the last seven years. I kind of like to think of us as a dating app for your next position in healthcare. So a little bit more simpler than what he said, right? Basically just getting on and putting in all of your dream criteria and then our proprietary algorithm on the back end uses 25 points and matches you with the best position based on whatever you selected were your highest demands or needs or requirements. Um, and you know, it has many filterable options. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely much more, I think, interactive and engaging than probably to most job. Like, you know, I feel like there's a lot of like the societies with their job boards and things like that. Or and a lot of it's yeah. like word of mouth from what I hear as well. For sure. For sure. I'm curious, you know, what, what was your guys, you know, you guys have both been in private practice now for, you know, a decent amount of time. What was your kind of initial inspiration? I imagine probably it was, you know, some, you know, struggles or pain points you guys encounter. What, maybe what was kind of uh, the backstory, I guess, with, with starting this. Yeah. So uh, I can remember being early on um, probably around PGY3 where you're at now. Um, and we hear, you start asking people, you know, what's, what's a good job? Where do you work? You know, what, would you make, you know, what should I, you know, anticipate going into what's the contract like? And we had a lot of uh, former residents come back and speak with us. And I can remember setting in those early uh, days in residency, hearing these people tell us, and there was such a huge variability in the jobs. And so we had, you know, an individual that was making seven figures that was working seven days a week, you know, it seemed like, and, um, you know, just grinding on a partnership track. Uh, or within a partnership. And then we also had on the opposite spectrum, we had someone working like two days a week, you know, in academia um, with a total entirely different setup, you know, making 150K and totally happy with what they have as well. And uh, it it was just uh, very intriguing, you know? And so I think I, I really had an interest there as well. And being a bit obsessive compulsive kind of started looking and, you know, doing my research there, but it was probably wasn't until I got out and I actually looked for a job myself. And so I remember, you know, trying to Google, you know, radiologist jobs and I'd get radiology tech jobs, radiology clerk job. You would hit like a certain type of radiologist and it's all just basic like word association search. And so it wasn't really built in the background on like the logic of medicine, you know, if you're, if you're Google searching or if you're using a sort of a generic job board, one of the, you know, large um, global job boards, they're not really going to understand what you are, who you are. And uh, not only on top of that, like when you would submit your CV to a website, uh, it may not even be the, the job listed there may not even be open. It may not be vacant. Yeah, it's probably there for you know, six months ago and you have no clue and you're submitting all your personal information online and you're just kind of ghosted. And so uh, that was really a, a turnoff. Like we had, we always say like finding a job was another job. Yeah. It became your just, second yeah, job. It became yeah, a second sure. job for us, for both of us. And then the more specialized you become, the more difficult it is to actually find a job that meets those criteria. You know, as a Mohs surgeon, I want full-time Mohs and that's very hard to even find where full-time most jobs are because most of them will, will say dermatology or if it does say most come to find out it's half general derm and half most and 
you know, we also were willing to go anywhere in the country. Yeah. yeah. Um, so and, I remember yeah. when we started looking that uh, everyone seemed to want to try to uh, funnel you into one certain uh, like, you know, I, I did. So like a, a radiologist is all oh, you're going to do the same thing. And we know that's not, you know, how it works. We know like as a radiologist, you have how many different subspecials you can go into and it vastly changes what you do. Um, so we needed more um, complexity, a little more complexity to the way we structure our job search and we, that we didn't find that anywhere. And so we started kind of dreaming up something that would fix this. And yeah. And I, I say this a lot. Shot. I say this all the time and it's so true. Like it is baffling to me that you can go online today and you can find, you know, a partner or a one night stand or whatever you're looking for <laughs> with a certain height, a certain weight, certain hobbies within a certain zip code, you know, with what, whatever color eyes you want, whatever color hair, like so specific. And then we graduate after, you know, spending our twenties training all this time, all this money. And then we can't find jobs and we can't find jobs that suit our needs, our wants, our work-life balance, you know, the hours we want, if you want to have kids or the city you want to be in. Um, and so we really, we had to fix that problem. We had to level the playing field for healthcare workers. I want it that like, if you're not happy at your job, I think that you should be able to get on the app and see what else is out there and you should be able to apply. And, you know, it shouldn't be a second job finding a job, especially if you find yourself unhappy in your current job. Like it's not fair. It's not fair to all of us physicians who put in this amount of time, this effort, the money, everything. Like we gave up a part of our life for this and then we're just stuck. And that was like so disheartening to me and so frustrating. And yeah. and that was just one part of it because. Yeah. I mean, we go back to, you know, I had, I don't know how many job boards I was signed up for and all these messages would come during the day and I'm trying to balance that while you're a resident and on top of other things, it was just too hard. And so after that, Casey actually found her first job when I was being in a fellow. And when she found her first job, they didn't have a signing bonus, which was a pretty much an industry standard at the time. And so uh, we had asked like, Hey, what's up? This is our first job. Uh, you know, most people in the United States, we, we met with a contract attorney and they kind of agreed they give a signing bonus and said, well, I'm sorry, but the job you found was listed by a recruiter and they're demanding $30,000 to place you into that job. And that was like mind blowing. Right. And, and imagine how much money it is to come out, be, you know, behind in debt and think you're going to get this sign on bonus and start paying and, you know, working your way through life and it doesn't happen. And uh, it's all because, you know, these, there are agencies, recruiters, um, there are third party kind of like the the middle men or women that take a piece of your pie mm -hmm. and it's not a direct like we're not paying recruiters obviously but it it's, always yeah, is it's coming behind from the scenes it's it coming from, from somewhere. somewhere right it's coming from somewhere sure. and as it was like very clearly um told to me you know i was only going to be there a year because we were moving for rocks fellowship and i was uh, very upfront about that and so i had no negotiating power because they were like, we don't have time to make that money back from you. So like, you, you know, you're going to get a lower salary and there's no sign on bonus. And so you're like, oh, well, you know, like that, that's just like, that's crazy to me. Yeah. Most of the jobs I found in the last few jobs I've had, I guess I'll say I were cold calling um, because it, I, I wanted to avoid the recruiter, but how wild is this that you have to almost like Google which practices or jobs are in the city cold call the office, ask to talk to a manager. You're like this crazy girl. That's like, Hey, I just want to find a job. Like this shouldn't <laughs> be this way. 
not only that, when you cold call, they know you want a job. And so you're already behind on like negotiations. Right. Um, and so it's just not a great way to do it. And so we knew that we had to eliminate this third party, like this, this extra touch point that's going to take potentially your money, yeah, um, money and to potentially be biased. Um, if you look nowadays, you may call a hospital. And if you say you're a third party recruiter, they say we don't work with third party recruiters. So if you're someone that is working with that recruiter, they're not going to present that job because then they don't get their signing bonus you know, for you. And so there is an inherent bias to using that recruiter and it's probably not for your best interest. And so we wanted to kind of take that and remove that whole thing from the process um, and sort of clean up the industry up. for lack and, of, you know, better term. And then another thing, another part about the job search is the details that are left out until the very end. Um, you know, that's so frustrating because you're just wasting time. And like, what's the one thing that like, nobody has, but really physicians don't have right, or resident physicians at that yeah. time. And so for you to fly out, even if they pay for it, like that's still time. And then all of that boils down to like the hours suck or the pay is horrible, or they don't give you the amount of staff. Like for me in the um, outpatient setting, like the amount of staff that I get is going to determine how productive I can be, right? How many patients can I see an hour? is really predicated not just on my skill set and my ability to be fast, but I, I need staff, right? And so all of those little details, like that needs to be told to me up front. And there's oftentimes like, they don't want to have those discussions up front, right? They want to bring you out. They want to, you know, sell it to you. And we're, we're just tired of it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there was a total <laughs> lack of transparency and uh, we want to take it back. <laughs> we want to take back the power. Well, I can remember being, you know, a, a resident and flying to a job and we spent, I spent two days away from family. We probably dropped a grand. Yeah, like I had a, a brand new baby. He's leaving. And when we got back the job, we didn't really like, uh, they didn't tell us much beforehand. And they also didn't offer to like pay your, your fee and your flight and put you in a hotel. This one particular job most did, most but did, I was thinking yeah. just how awful, you know, you spent all this time and then you're going through this process. And there's got to be a better way. I mean, in the day where we can order something on Amazon and it will be here in two hours um, or, you know, all the this technological advances like medicine lags. We always say that mm -hmm. medicine lags and medicine does lag here. And so we knew this would be something we had to do and we had to fix. And, and so that's how Stack Careers was born. That's awesome. No, I mean, it's a really innovative approach. I mean, as I said, I'm, I'm very quick, you know, very quickly learning early on how convoluted the physician job market is. I mean, it's like you were, like you were saying, Rock, um, it, it's, you know, there's so many different types of careers out there. You know, there's academic, I mean, you know, when you're a med student, you have just starry image of your attendings yes. you're working with and you're like, oh, they, they must be so rich and they must, you know, yes. have yes. this great life and everything. And you mm -hmm. realize like, that's, you know, maybe not quite, quite the truth. And uh, there's also a lot of variations of that as well. And, and it's the same thing for, I'm sure, in you know, dermatology and Mode surgery as well for you, Casey. Um, mm -hmm. I'm curious, you know, from your, you know, what, what kind of like, I guess, issues do you think like either you guys have encountered or you see applicants like encounter a lot, like, you know, like you kind of touched yeah. on this already a little bit, like them, you know, not being transparent about things like pay or, or signing bonus until like the last minute or, you know, yeah. those types of things, I guess, what are kind of some of the biggest like problems you guys have seen or pain points and even so, in just your own experience? I would say... Mm -hmm. Like one of the things, and Casey is really good with this because she has seen a lot of contracts and she is very good when she consults like 
this is a friendly service, but we've seen a lot of people enter a contract and not really understand what's happening. Uh, and this is part of the reason why we built out these kind of laid everything out very in a very nicely in a simplified manner on our site. So you can connect and see, but we've seen, I don't know how many people get in the job. They don't like, they didn't really vet that well, cause they couldn't. Or, and, or and they, you just don't they, know, you don't know what to ask because a lot of people no. in medicine, you know, haven't had a ton of jobs or big level jobs because we've been in school our whole life. And so you go and you get your contract and you bring it to your contract attorney and you think you did your due diligence. And it turns out the contract attorney sometimes doesn't know everything about, you yeah. know, what can go wrong. Um, for instance, um, not but, having enough staff is huge, huge because, you know, you'll get um, you may get a guaranteed salary which sounds fabulous. And then you grow into that guaranteed salary and that guaranteed salary may go away after one to two years, let's say for example. And then you're supposed to hopefully make what that guaranteed salary was or even more. And they'll tell you, you'll make more. This is just a low guarantee. Well, the only way you're going to make that salary that they're guaranteeing you, you know, they, they know how you're going to make that, right? They have a, a way that they have calculated. You're going to see X number of patients. You're going to bill this much. So you want to know, like, what, what is that? Like, why are you guaranteeing me that salary? What is that based on how many patients a day? And in order to see that many patients a day, are you going to have enough staff to do it? Because like I said earlier, like if you need to see six or seven patients an hour, you better have two, two staff members helping you or, you know, um, for you, like with your procedures, right? Like the difference between somebody who knows what they're doing, just a trained tech, um, you know, it just, it just makes a world of difference. And every time somebody new comes in and the staff turnover is high everywhere, right? Every, every time someone comes in, that's new, you just slow down presumably for three months while you're training this new team member. Right. And so all these variables go into it that I just don't think you realize when you're looking at the numbers and the contract and you're like, oh, the culture here is great and the numbers look good and I have this guarantee. Right. Um, I always tell people when I lecture to residents, I say the number one thing that I would tell you to do is to look at your contract as though you are ready to leave that job, like when you're signing it, right? If I want out of this job and I am miserable, what in this contract is prohibiting me from moving forward? And so big things right off the bat are going to be if you owe money back, right? If they give you a sign-on bonus and you owe your sign-on bonus back and you don't have your sign-on bonus because you just finished residency and you bought a car and you paid off some debt, now you don't have money, right? Yeah. And don't forget that your sign-on bonus comes as different ways. So if it comes... Um, you know, as a true sign on bonus where you're getting taxed on it, the, the cash you get isn't, you know, if you get a $50,000 sign on bonus, you're not getting 50,000. Yeah. You're getting that minus your 30 to 37%, but then you, have to give 50, but you owe back, back yeah. 50,000. And yeah. so you're already net what, you know, the 30 to 37%, whatever your tax bracket is. Right. Yeah. Um, which for many people right out of training, especially if you then start a family or you then buy a home, like you just shot yourself in the foot, right? And they know this, they know this about us. So that's a huge one. And then the other one is the non-compete. It'll just screw you every time. Yeah. I, you know, I believe strongly that a non-compete should, you know, I think the business owners should protect their practice that they've built. And I can see it from their end of the spectrum. And so clearly you shouldn't open up shop next door. Clearly you shouldn't be able to take patients or staff. Um, but to keep you out of a city, particularly a large city, particularly a city that maybe you're from and you're not planning on leaving, that's so detrimental. Like a lot of them are a one or two year non-compete. 
And so then you've got to go, you know, commute for a year, year and a half, an hour and a half away. Like th th this is wild, right? And so shrink the mileage of your non-compete. Understand that the non-compete is, you know, a radius, um, you know, all the way in all directions around where you work. There are these non-compete maps. I forget the name of the site, but you can pull it up and you can actually type in the address with your non-compete and you can kind of see exactly which counties that gets into or where in your city that gets because even just dropping it from, you know, a 10 mile non-compete to a five mile non-compete or a seven mile like this, it doesn't sound like much, but like you'd be surprised what that actually equates to. Um, and, and, you know, if you want to leave, you need to have options and maybe moving or commuting isn't an option. I, so, I would go ahead. Yeah, so. no, that's fine. I was going to say also with us, especially a uh, Maxwell, uh, we run into that, the super partner thing a lot. Right. And so it looks like you're, you're going to come on as a partner, but yeah. it's not really the case. They're, they're really, you know, uh, sort of, uh, legacy partners that have certain benefits that you may not, you know, be open to. So a lot of the, the issues we do see involves the contract. And so that's what we're constantly kind of working on our contract forms. And so what we do is we have for every job posted on our site, the employer has to walk through and click and enter and, and answer those questions specifically. So we can lay that out and we can really simplify that and be very transparent. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so that was one of the, the, the major red flags we saw and that we thought we could fix this by, you know, allowing this level of transparency there. No, I think that's awesome. I think, you know, making employers be upfront about what they're looking for, what they're willing to offer. I think the other thing on the applicant side, which I think is really interesting, because some of the advice I've gotten early on from people when looking for jobs is a lot of us don't know what really what we want. I feel like a lot of residents, you know, you're so stuck in the grind, you're so stuck in just getting to the next step and not suffering on call and all that other stuff that you deal yeah, with. You're in just surviving. You're surviving. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So you don't really take a step back and think like, what do I really want at the end of all of this? Like, do I want to be in academics and grinding away on papers and teaching, or do I want to be in private practice, you know, and, you know, grinding away on cases or, you know, reading studies and things like that. So I think it's, I think what's great about your platform, one of the many great things about your platform is that you make people, both sides think about what they really, really want. And then be upfront about it, not be shy about it. I think that's awesome. Yeah. We're, yeah, we're well, hoping that it helps both yeah. sides vet, right? Both sides. Yeah. Because yeah. on the employer yeah. side, it's incredibly expensive for them to onboard new physicians. They lose money. I think it takes what, two years for them to actually start becoming profitable off of a new hire. Um, and so, you know, we want people to stay at their job. And I think staying at your job is that, you know, if you, if you knew what you were getting into and you, you know, hopefully picked something that was a good fit for you, I think you'd be a lot more inclined to stay because right now, what's the percent of people that leave their first job in the first five years out? Yeah. Right? The last like statistics I saw 60% yeah. will leave your job in the first four years, which is crazy to think that we have these massively successful healthcare organizations and we have like very smart candidates that spent how long in school and they get the match wrong. And so we knew that that was something that we wanted to focus on and improve. That's amazing. I mean, could you imagine if like 60% of residents left their program or switch programs. Yeah, right. The and that's what I mean. Like the, the group of people <laughs> yeah. you're dealing with are like people that are like dedicated and kind of like follow through. So the fact that we all tend to leave, um, yeah. you know, it speaks volumes and it's, it, it's just, it's really frustrating it, it, and it's really sad. Like it is truly sad for, for me. I think like the longer I've been out and the more that I've seen, it breaks my heart that we are in this field and 
at the end like of the rainbow it wasn't what we thought it was going to be and i and i want to make it that because i think for most of us we went into medicine because we genuinely love learning we genuinely love i love teaching patients i you know i'm a lifelong learner i love helping people like all all the things that we all said on our personal statements i think we all still feel that way but the business side of it comes in and it just changes so much of that and again i just want to like put it back in our hands yeah you know we want to kind of empower the medical professionals to kind of make the best decision possible and to show them what their options are really. And to, to kind of educate themselves along the way of, of things that exist, right? It's hard. Like you don't, you don't really know you don't, but there are ways that I think you can educate yourself like early on and in with a little experience, you're going to find out very quickly what you want. Um, and so we hope to help, you know, empower the next candidate looking to enable to do that, to make a decision that will help them you know, make the right choice. Right. Cause you don't want to be in a bad choice. You don't want to be stuck in a contract yeah. where you have a 180 day out clause, you know, and, and you owe them back and you're not seeing your volume and it's just a bad environment. I mean, that's awful. Yeah, it, gets to think we really, that long. it gets bad mm. really fast. So, um, <laughs> other things too, just like red flags and contracts where we're here. Um, any contract that says you have to pay back, um, whatever you don't make in that first year salary is a huge problem, right? Because yeah, you have no way to guarantee you're going to make it back. And, and even if everything they tell you, they tell you how much you're going to bring in per patient and how many patients a day you're going to see. Well, what if patients cancel? What if COVID hits? What if, uh, you know, three or four of the staff members leave and now it's, you just can't do that volume and they're trying to hire, but we're in a hiring crisis. There are just so many variables that happen that like you don't want to be left paying somebody back um, especially that early in your career when, you know, you're still really building your nest egg. Sure. Yeah. And then yep. Rock and I wanted to just throw it out there. We're both available, sure. uh, you know, I, to anybody who has any questions, yeah. I mean, like we're, we're here to just kind of like help this community and hopefully prevent people from going through some of the things that, you know, I, I personally went through and a, a little bit, you yeah. know, with the job yeah. finding and well, I know we've seen friends like just destroyed some financially, some mentally from, sort of bad fits. Um, and it really is something we're really passionate about, like yeah. outside of the, the, the product, the business, all that. Uh, this, the cool thing is that if we can make a difference, like with our, what we went through in the medical profession, like that's awesome to me. And that's something we, cause we really understand when, when you grind and think of how long you went to school and all the tests you took and the money you put up, uh, you really want to make it work. And with turnover and burnout at like the, the front, headlines everywhere like we think that we can make a difference and we can do that from a preventative approach right because we're always taught preventative medicine in you know medical school all this different stuff right what's the best way to stop a disease to prevent it from happening in the first place and so we look at sort of the stack careers as the preventative medicine for turnover and burnout for these institutions um, that is causing problems on both sides and so i am faculty um with ohio university's dermatology program um, I'm happy to schedule like a Zoom lecture with any residency programs out there that just want to kind of, you know, low key have a Zoom conference part of the, some of their didactics or an after, you know, after hours, just kind of talk about things, especially as the year progresses and people find jobs. Um, if anybody wants to, you know, they can reach out and do that. And so, yeah, and I just wanted to um, say, you know, to Rock's point, we want this to be accessible for everyone. And this is a completely free product uh, for applicants on the candidate side. 
Um, and our goal would be all healthcare workers eventually. Cause I think that this isn't a problem that's unique to physicians. I think it's a problem within the healthcare industry as a whole, you know, and, and again, I keep talking about staffing, but I've had a lot of staffing throughout, um, staffing issues throughout my seven years, um, at, at numerous organizations. And, you know, I think nurses are feeling this, um, unhappiness in healthcare. I think, you know, everyone is. And so eventually like that's really where we see this going, but so www.statcareers.com, you sign up, it's, we're creating a database, a profile. If you don't match right away, um, with your ideal job, it's because we're still getting your ideal jobs in there. <laughs> so you'd be notified with an email when it, um, you know, when you get a match. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm curious from the employer standpoint, you made a good point about how the employers are also dealing with, especially with, you know, I, I forget the exact step, but it's a staggering amount of nurses have left healthcare. You know, I know it, you know, my residency program, you know, there's often talk of like staffing issues and things like that, even at a, you know, a major hospital system. So I'm curious, like from what's the feedback you guys have gotten from employers looking at this? How has this benefited them with, you know, cause like you said, it can be very, you know, costly and time consuming as well on their end. Yeah. Yeah. We've had great feedback so far, which is great kind of supports our cause and motivates us to keep going. And so um, a, a lot of what we've seen is, and you may have tested this as well in radiology, and it's not just the hospital I work at, it's it's in the region. And I know it's probably across the United States is there's always short staffing. And what they have to do is they revert to sort of locums or travel agencies or just temporary staffing. And so I, I think there is a role in medicine, right, for temporary staffing if you're using maybe 10 to 20 percent, you know, of your entire department. But what that has become is almost like an abuse of that, basically to make up for the lack of, you know, candidates to the lack of hiring. And so I've seen situations where you have 80 to 90 percent, you know, travel staff or locum staff, and and that really creates a problem because it, it's difficult for that person to come in on a 13 week contract learn a complicated, you know, environment and something that, you know, there can't be mistakes. You have to know things. And then when they get up to speed and they're, they're efficient, they have to leave. And the hospital has to devote resources, you know, to onboard, train. And on top of that, they pay them like a two, three X salary yeah. sometimes. And so that puts a lot of strain on the healthcare industry in general. Which then makes you as the provider have to make up that money, right? Because <laughs> now you got you to gotta stay longer. You got to see more patients, right? Because the, the department budget is dwindling. So it's just, a, it's a yeah. vicious cycle. But we, I think that's one of the biggest feedbacks is that, hey, we've been able to replace some of our, you know, temporary positions with long-term positions using the matching, you know, algorithms, using the tools that we provided. Uh, and that's, that's huge because I know, how it feels to walk in the room and, and have no one that really knows what's happening because they're all new and, you know, you really have to watch yourself and, you know, be extra cautious in those situations. And so I, I think, you know, we're really focused on the long-term match. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that that's uh, very beneficial to all of us, the patient, you know, for the, the hospital, the, the person themselves. And so that's, that's probably the biggest feedback piece that we've got. Yeah. So far. I, I think employers are overall just really, um, excited again in the short term, because some of them have been almost desperate. I'll, I'll say we're like, I, I just need someone like immediately, like, who do you have? Like, mm -hmm. we got to get someone in here. Um, be because that's like the crisis that we're in right now. And then, you know, uh, the other side of that is that a lot of them are just, you know, really excited if we're like, Hey, we think we can help you match physicians to jobs 
better than what you're currently doing and, and keep them because that's the problem, right? The problem is the turnover yeah. because what is it? $400,000, right? To onboard up a position, to, yeah. up to $400,000 $400, to, to a lose that's a crazy. physician, you know, an established physician. Yeah. And then even on like, if you're a private practice and you keep having turnover and churn of, you know, different doctors over the course of like the 10 to 20 years or, or even, you know, whatever, like it just doesn't look good, right? Like why do people keep leaving here? Um, it, it doesn't, it doesn't go well for anyone on the physician end. Like I have left a lot of jobs. Um, and the sad part, <laughs> the sad part about it is like, I do miss that continuity with my patients. And so, you know, for you guys, you, you probably never really wanted it. If you went into interventional radiology, you weren't hoping for that. But as a general dermatologist, like I did want to grow with you in your life, you know, and I did want to then treat your skin cancer. Um, but that didn't work out for me. And, and, you know, and as a result of that, I just, I haven't enjoyed that part of my practice. And I, I subsequently just transitioned to full-time bows because, uh, you know, I've just kept leaving and moving jobs and not getting what I wanted, but I, I would have loved to have like looked back on my career and just say, like, I started somewhere and I grew, like I grew that practice and I grew with those patients and, you know, they saw my, they saw me pregnant and now they see my kid at eight or they know I have an eight-year-old, you know, and that kind of primary care relationship that I, I half wanted as a general dermatologist. Um, so there are so many benefits to just being able to stay in your career and grow your practice and train your staff so that you have a an amazing team because your staff will make or break you. They will make or break your quality, but they'll make or break your entire day, right? Like your entire day. This is your, this is your work family. If you're in a hospital, you're spending holidays with these people. If you're in an office, you're spending more time with these people than you are with anyone else. Like you should stay, your staff should stay. It should be a beautiful family. Like we worked too hard to not have a beautiful relationship and true in, in your private life too. Like, and that's another thing, like the stress that medicine puts on your marriage wow. is it's shit, right? Can I say that? Yeah. It's, it's, it's <laughs> yeah. horrible. And so it, you, not being happy at your job and then coming home and having a stressful, it just everybody who's married has stress with kids, jobs, right? Mm -hmm. Whether you're in healthcare or not. Um, but again, it's this whole work-life balance and like, we're getting, we're getting like the bad end of it again. Like, yeah. be, you know, because we're in these horrible jobs or these stressful jobs or this like high turnover, or we're not happy. We're not happy at work. Then you got to come home to your family. And it's like, well, you bring home what you do you know, all day long. Um, so it just, I think that's why you see a lot of physicians getting a divorce too. I don't think it's just that like, oh, medicine's so hard. You're going to get a divorce if you're in medicine. I think medicine's great. And if you have a good career in it, it's amazing. But I think the setup around your career, just, it needs to shift. Like, and it's changed a lot since the eighties and the nineties. And like, we've got to change it. Like we yeah. have to, this isn't, it's not fair. Yeah. I, I just saw the recent, uh, was it the Medscape uh, 2023 happiness report. And it went from like 84% of physicians were happy before the pandemic to now like 58%. And so just barely over half in this profession, that's like very important to our society uh, is sort of embarrassing. Um, and so some things have to change. Um, going back to your question about some some feedback from the uh, employers is we've we've heard from employers they've never been able to like vet candidates like they can now. Mm -hmm. And so part of part of this, um, just kind of uh, doing some research in the background, you think about if someone joins like a Wall Street hedge fund or like a big bank and they're a C level, like the amount of vetting they go through is pretty ridiculous sometimes. And so the the good example that I like is, when I met with an investor early on and, and we were talking about, you know, I want to do this thing. I want to start up. 
He said, well, when you find a co-founder, you know, I have a good psychiatrist I can recommend you. And I thought they were joking and I kind of laughed. He was like, no, I'm serious. Like these things are, are, are a big deal, you know, and this and that, and this is how way we vet and you need to make sure it's the right match. And I just think back in medicine, like think about like the pressure you're under as a PGY4 with six months left and that window's closing. Mm -hmm. uh, you need to find a job. You go out, you essentially are there for half a day. You meet the staff who are basically working and unable to give you a lot of attention. Most of the times you're trying to ask questions. You don't know what to ask. And boom, next thing you know, you have a job. Yeah, you're married. Yeah. You're married to this. This is yeah. what happens. And so they're not able to vet you. You're not able to vet them. And so we've been hearing feedback like, hey, we can actually understand what this person's bringing. And so what, the couple of things that we've done is we've, we have three different tools or three different ways that we help find quality candidates. And so the first is what we call the stat score. And so that's where we look at 25 items on either side and essentially 50 data points that are matching that say, hey, uh, this candidate is okay with taking call or doesn't want to work weekends. Or, you know, this candidate wants to have like, you know, eight, eight different eight weeks of maternity leave that's paid or, you know, all these little specifics inside your contract, the stat score makes sure that that works and it automatically like ranks your match. And then the next thing we do is we do the skills mapping. And so this is something that really no one's doing in, in the whole industry because it's hard to do unless you're in the trenches mm -hmm. and you're in medicine, you don't really understand what's important. Like when someone comes to a job. So like a good example in radiology is someone that maybe we need a specific spot where someone that they read all diagnostic, you know, modalities. They're also do like cardiac MRI. Maybe they want to do the light fluoro, you know, procedures or parathors and all this. And so you can build out this in the comprehensive skills analysis we have, and it will match it to uh, what your employer wants. And it basically will, will kind of grade that on what kind of type of match it is. And so what that does is it doesn't get you into a job where you show up on day two and they're asking you to do, you know, a cerebral angiogram as a musculoskeletal radiologist, you know, and not that it happens, but, you know, it prevents smaller, you know, miscalculations like that. And so um, we've been very happy with, you know, building these tools and doing that and helping our, you know, employers and our candidates vet one another. Uh, the third piece of this puzzle and uh, one that I know Casey feels very strongly about is like personality matching. And so that's something that we haven't yet dove into, but that's something that probably towards the end of 2023, we're going to be focusing a little more on because like you said, this is a marriage, right? So when you go in, it's a very team oriented, you know, mm -hmm. type, you know, process. And so with us, there's the nurse, there's the tech, you know, there might be respiratory in the room and anesthesiologist. And so you're working together. You want someone that works well with the team. And we do think that there's an edge to be gained by looking at different personalities for that. Yeah, and who meshes and, well together, you know, right? Yeah. And so I think that's, that will be the third piece of the, the puzzle that we put in place and kind of solidify the way that we allow, you know, employers and candidates to vet one another that it can't be done now. And, and I think you can only do it if you're in medicine, right? Cause you don't, you could look at a book and ICD nine codes and all this different stuff. And you would never figure it out unless you put your, you know, you were, your two feet are in that hospital room, in the operating room. And you talk to, you know, surgeons, you talk to different clinicians during the day. And so that's probably what we're most proud about of this is being able to do skills mapping that others can't uh, and make a difference that way. Yeah, I think that's a huge point because, I mean, like in our field, Rock, like you said, with radiology, I mean, you could show up thinking you're going to do like this high level IR. And really, like you said, you could be just doing paras and thoras and, you know, more 
bread and butter procedures, or you could show up as a diagnostic guy thinking, you know, I don't want to do any procedures. I remember we had a resident, I think a year or two ago, he signed, he didn't realize he had to do a bunch of central lines. And so he was yeah. like rotating on IR as a PGY five with the yeah. junior residents learning how to do lines again, yeah. <laughs> just so he could, you know, have, be ready for his job. And I'm sure in dermatology, Casey, like there's people that think they're only going to do Mo's and then they get there and they sure. find out it's like one day a week or, yeah. you know, those types of things, or they're having to have to cover something else. I'm sure yeah. that that happens as well there. It's, yeah, it's all about transparency. I remember texting a friend of mine that I met along the way and how's the job? And he's a diagnostic guy. And uh, he said, well, I'm doing lung biopsies in a strip mall. Uh, so not so well, you know, and so I'm sure that wasn't as exactly, you know, straightforward and given up front the way it would, or the, knowing the guy probably wouldn't have took the job. Um, but yeah, it's, it's very interesting. And so that complexity, that variability, I think there's, this is where stat improves, you know, uh, the, the medical recruitment industry altogether. Yeah, I think that's amazing. I'm I'm curious from the like the business standpoint because you know we have a lot of entrepreneurs. Uh, I have a fair amount of physician entrepreneurs like yourself on the show. Um, curious about like a couple of just kind of like nuts and bolts things with that. Like you know how you guys you know put a team together. You know obviously you you know two co-founders, but I guess who else is like part of the team? And then maybe have have you been able to just fund this yourselves, or have you guys you know raised money for this? Where are you kind of all all at with all of those types of think components sure. of a startup? Well, well, we have funded it ourselves, and I'll say this for anyone wanting to take that venture: tech is not cheap. It's not cheap to, you know, uh, to have a tech startup. But uh, we have been able to <laughs> sort of build through the years and, and, and understand. <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah, about? this is a one-room home we live in with our three kids. <laughs> but, um, we we started, and like my background is is very uh, kind of like blue-collar car dealership industry. I actually worked in, in a body shop as a kid. And so I didn't have like a, a background in tech, um, but I knew I wanted to, to work in business. I'd been involved in various like startups and things as a young kid. And so we went into this and we th- said, hey, we can fund this. Let's do this. Um, and that involves a lot of budgeting um, that involves in strategically like building your team. And so what we did is, is with us two and we have two other co-founders. So four founders uh, total. And so we basically said, what are our weaknesses? That's who we need. And we made a list and we started with tech and we brought in a CTO uh, and the guy's been amazing. We next moved to marketing. Uh, and so we brought in like a chief marketer uh, and that was roughly four months ago. Um, we got to the point where we needed a chief marketer. We launched five months ago. And so we quickly uh, knew, hey, we need someone marketing. So we brought someone in and at one point, you know, we were up to roughly eight or nine people working either part-time or full-time like in the company. And so um, for full disclosure, I still practice, Casey still practice. So this is very much of, of a balancing act, right? And so uh, the, what I do and what I think our ideas together is we hire or, or bring people in and give them equity that are very talented and then let them go and very passionate about what we're doing. And that has been great. And so um, it's been an experience, though. Uh, it's been a really humbling experience at times. It's been a really war- rewarding experience at other times, too. Like, I'll go out for a run and I'll, you know, I'll be smiling from ear to ear thinking about, hey, we, we just added 15 new candidates today and all this. And the next day I'll be running out and, and, and say, all right, the last three employers I talked to said no. Um, and so I think you just have to keep grinding and you have to you sort of pivot when something doesn't work and it continuously does not work, then you need to change. And so 
uh, what the new challenge that we've had is, is putting together a sales team. Uh, so we've got to where we need enough, um, you know, on the sell side. And so uh, I think this is a very unique project in growing a dual sided marketplace because we have, uh, you know, two clients, whereas traditionally you're just focusing on one. And it's very much a balancing act in that. Um, and so I know at certain times, anytime in my head, like where we're, we're um, not quite there on, on like the employer side versus the client side, like we're out of balance. And so what I need to do is I need to focus on one and then essentially I'll get caught up and ahead on that side and I go to the other. When you talk about like a dual-sided marketplace, it's always the chicken or the egg conundrum, right? Like what come first? Like who's more valuable? Um, and like for us, we're very candidate centric. That's like how we started. But we also think about our employers too, because um, we understand, you know, the, the challenges they have as well. And so we're building a sales team now. Um, that's a first for me. Um, and, and like building training, talking through, you know, calling different campaigns and things like that. Um, I enjoy it, though. Um, I really enjoy, you know, kind of being tossed this new problem and working and problem solving until we figure something out. The thing is when with a startup is there's always something to be done. And so like for me, I'm the type of person that I hate to have a to-do list. I got to do it. I got to do it. But I really had to teach myself and like grow. Um, you can only do so much in a certain day, um, especially, you know, if you're doing it after hours, you know, after work, um, especially if you have wife and, and family and kids and all this on top of it. So uh, you really have to structure that. Uh, and, and as far as um, like if you're in medicine, you're looking to, to be an entrepreneur, I think like we are perfectly positioned to like lead this, uh, you know, the revolution in new med tech. Like uh, I, I wish more, you know, physicians, not even physicians, nurses, anyone in medicine, like should get out there and they should really lead it. But I understand why people it's difficult because you, you're it's such a demanding job. It's hard to do. Um, but I, I've had a ton of fun. I've met a lot of people. I mean, I remember interviewing one weekend, someone from Argentina, then someone from Spain, and then like seeing people from all over the world. And uh, I, I really enjoy it. And so I'm uh, really excited about the product. I mean, we have a, a ton of, of uh, headway to make here, but I think that we're off to a pretty good start so far. Um, and it's just kind of filling in those, those, those puzzle pieces, filling in those weaknesses um, and always kind of keeping on the pulse of that. Um, one thing I think that you should consider if you're doing this is like for me, uh, and for a lot of people, like you, you have to walk through the loopholes, like in medicine or like the basically have to jump the obstacles. And so for me, like number one was like, I'm in a private group. You have to have approval from your group to do things. And so, mm. you know, I, I get approval from that and very much something that you do outside of your, your job. And as you know, sort of your hobby or passion. Now at some point that might change, you know, if we have a demand, but right now, I think it's a, I'm in a good spot being able to practice medicine, things I enjoy, my passion, and then also have sort of a, a side project as well. Like, would you say the same? Like, yeah, I, think, I would. Yeah. But I think it's really interesting to hear you talk about um, kind of those moments where you went in the room with uh, bigger players in the tech world or in the game. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And you had to kind of swallow your pride and your ego of not maybe being this, the most intelligent person in the room. And because I, when you talk about it, it's, it's always just like really interesting, yeah. you know, and eye opening um, because you're starting over in an industry that, you know, you know, nothing about even the jargon. Right. Like even the, the, just the vocabulary that's yeah. used in the business. Room, oh, yeah. Right? All you the abbreviations. Yeah. Yeah. This, yeah. This is, yeah. this is my hard knocks MBA. I always say. <laughs> um, I mean, 
But, but yeah. Yeah. So I like to hear you when you, when you talk about that, just, you know, yeah, there are many times like when I started, like we, we have, so we're based out of Cincinnati. And so it's not by any means a, like a major tech hub in the United States, but we have a, a pretty blooming uh, tech startup industry here, I would say. And we have a lot of people that are very friendly in the Midwest. And so I, you know, when I first started, I've reached out to, I don't know how many people, and I had people ghost me and, you know, not show up. I'd be at Starbucks sitting by myself. Like, what am I doing? Like, just go back and, you know, do an Wait, angiogram the like next day. Which was like always really funny because he would call me and he'd be like, they're, they're not here for me. And, you know, like, what, who, who doesn't show up for me, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, you're yeah, nobody you're to, out here. Showed like, up you're nobody. You're nobody special. You're just a guy that's asking for their time. So, mm -hmm. you know, like, and that's a totally different uh, vibe, uh, yeah. than being an attending physician. Right. Oh, sure. But, I'm sure. But I, I did find, <laughs> I mean, if you find someone that is like, that has truly walked that walk many times, they care about you and what you're doing because they understand that well too. And so I've had probably five or six mentors that really took me in throughout that first couple of years, especially, and showed me like what to do in the business, how to establish the business, what's the way to set it up? How should we, you know, structure a partnership? How should we do this? You know, and I come to them still with problems and issues and talk it out. And uh, I think finding like a, a good mentor is priceless. No, that's a, uh, I think that's all really good points. You know, it's, it's a, uh, it's kind of, uncharted waters for us, you know, unless you did, I guess maybe like an MBA or had a prior, prior life and, you know, the business world, it's really, we don't, we don't really, it's pretty amazing. We don't even really learn how we get paid, you know, yeah, as, yeah, that's like, our, yeah we don't nothing. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, it, it's, it's, funny. it's, it's amazing. And rock, I think you make a really good point there, you know, cause in some of my endeavors as well, it's like, you know, I've had to have kind of some of the same conversations with people that have done, you know, way more business uh, endeavors than myself. And it's humbling. You know, you think you're, you know, this big shot and you're like, you mm -hmm. know, doctor this and doctor that. And, yeah. and it's, it, you realize like you, you don't know shit yeah, yeah, <laughs> talking to some of these people. Totally. Yeah. And yeah. you got to be okay with that too. Right. Like it, that could be very discouraging, especially like you feel somewhat accomplished in medicine where you're at. Like, you know, you can do cool things. You can save lives, but you know, if you walk into a room and you're talking business, uh, especially early on when you haven't had any experience, then uh, you better take notes and you better listen like twice as much as you talk. So. <laughs> yeah, no, that's funny. I, I had a, another physician entrepreneur on recently and, and she she actually left clinical. She was a neurosurgeon. She left clinical practice full time and she was said it was almost like intern year all over again. She said yeah. it was it was like you don't know anything. And it's also a extremely steep learning curve as well. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, I would. I I think that's an accurate description. So that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Um, I'm curious, you know, what are your guys? And you've you've touched a little bit on this, but I guess what are your like plans over the next like 12 months? Like, what are kind of maybe some major milestones you're hoping to hit? Like, mm -hmm. you know, either from the product side or the business side or anything like that. Sure. So we are are growing. We're averaging roughly, um, I'd say eight um, candidate signups per day now. Oh, wow. um, so we have a, a pretty nice stream and we're starting to get our name out. We're doing more and more, you know, media to kind of get known. And that's, that was one of the hard steps too, for us, mm -hmm. uh, because we, we were like dinosaurs in social media age. Right. And, and medicine, they always told you, Oh, don't do social media. Don't do this. It's bad. And so for many years we had nothing and we had to start all over, you know, just a couple of years ago. And so, um, I think, you know, from this year would be great if we had roughly a thousand employers. And so, um, right now we have employers that have large accounts, such as the Cleveland clinic that might have hundreds and hundreds of jobs that we're fortunate enough to have join and partner with this. 
and we have small clinics that may have two or three jobs. And so I think growing that employer list to roughly a, a thousand would be uh, a good milestone for us. Another milestone we're looking at is to um, potentially launch an app. And so right now we're, we are a web app, but it would be nice if we had a downloadable iOS or Android app for our candidates, because we find a lot of our candidates do use like their mobile, right? You're in the hospital, you're looking around, what are you on? Usually your, your mobile phone or an iPad or something like that. And so I, I think that would be a huge milestone um, on top of that. That's awesome. That's awesome. You know, I, I, as we wrap up here, I ask every guest this, um, what do you, when you guys aren't practicing medicine or working on your startup, what, what, how do you balance your life? If you can find that balance at all? <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. yeah. This is a good question because just an hour before for this, we were whipping around the house, pajamas <laughs> on, you know, giving amoxicillin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we have, it, we have three yeah. kids. Um, we had three kids in four years. Um, I will say I do full-time mows when I work, but I don't work full-time. So, um, working less when I can, um, and there are weeks that I work a full week and then there's weeks that I don't. And the weeks that I work a full week, we can feel it in our home and, uh, we can see it in our children, like yeah. the effect of both of us just being gone, you know, 10 plus hours a day by the time we leave and get home and all that. Um, but I, I think being really, uh, like working working less, I think being scheduled, like yeah. even, you know, even scheduling sex, I think you, it doesn't always have to be that way. But I think, um, you know, a, a really wise older woman told me she was a patient of mine and she was married for years. And she said, you know, have sex at least twice a week, one time scheduled and one time spontaneous. And I, I came home and I told him that, and I was like, it sounds horrible, right? It sounds horrible that that's what you would do. But like, Nope. Anybody yeah. who, anybody who's married, anybody who, who's, you know, in a relationship for any amount of time will tell you like, it is easy to neglect that part of your marriage. It is so easy. Like you're like exhausted, especially once you throw kids in, you're cooking, you're cleaning, you have kids, like you're both just yeah. tired. So put, making that a priority in your schedule is very important. Date nights. Very, very scheduled. And yeah. I give Casey all the credit for that. Cause she, is running the household uh, most of the time, you know, and especially being on like an interventional call, things like that. Uh, it's very difficult. So um, she basically runs the house. My yeah. beautiful wife yeah. is also Aww. an amazing uh, yeah. house manager here. I, I often <laughs> like, I'll tell people too, like, you don't have to go on a fancy vacation that's Instagram worthy. Like go do, it, go do a staycation, like go yeah. get an Airbnb, even in your own city. And just like make time, you know, to connect not just with your partner, but also just with your family. Like if you have kids, these little tiny moments kind of like life passes us really fast and we're all super busy regardless of what we're doing. And so just like really understanding that, you know, we're not promised anything other than right now, like make the most of it, schedule in things. It doesn't matter how fancy or they are, um, you know, making time for your partner with date nights. Um, if you can't go on date nights every week because call schedule, like, Sometimes we only get a date night once a month, um, other than our ske scheduled date nights, but, um, <laughs> um, we travel, I mean, we, yeah, travel, we travel a good bit. Yeah. And so we're, we're able to like, one of the, the benefits as you know, like being in radiology is you might have like a floor of eight weeks off, like a ceiling of 12 weeks off. And so, uh, that does allow us to kind of get out, especially when, when Casey's working like a half week. And so, like we went to Europe for two weeks here a while back and it was amazing. Like we went, we went all over. Um, so yeah. I think we, we travel, um, that 
giving giving us our alone time, our kid time, and then time for work. And one thing we do do is the business has kind of been bonding for us. I would say like sure. we've learned a lot about each other. We're very open people. Uh, like if there's a problem, we're going to discuss it right away. Well, we we've learned that like through through the years. Um, and I think you know being in medicine, most people are emotionally intelligent in medicine, and you have to really look at yourself and like your flaws and um, you know, discuss them and talk about them. Um, and so we, we talk a lot and, and that's, I think communication is, is probably key too, on top of being scheduled yeah. is communication. It really keeps our life balanced because we have to know what the other's thinking, what the other's doing. Cause we're all over with, you know, how busy we are. And then, um, <laughs> I just want to hit on like, I think meal prepping for busy life is really important. So figuring yes. that out, um, cause you know, if, if you just start relying on fast food, we all know, right. It leads to an unhealthy lifestyle. Um, we do a lot of gym time too. I mean, uh, we, we, we basically do that with our kids. Like mm -hmm. we will, we will go and I will train in the driveway with outdoor equipment and our kids will do it with us. And so, um, we, we think, believe heavily, like, you know, it's a good stress relief and it helps balance things and, and bring some homeostasis to, to your life when you have all this stuff happening. And so, yeah. And um, the, these answers are coming from us, you know, over seven years working and being married and having kids and, and we've had times where we weren't great at it and times where we were, and we're like yeah. anyone else where we go up and down and, you know, and sometimes we're working out great and we're eating perfect and other times we're not. And sometimes we're really traveling and sometimes we're not. And, um, you know, it, it's like anything else, but I'll say like getting a two or a five-year calendar, um, because they make them and, and just putting it, like putting it down, like putting down your vacation, putting down, you know, um, your meals, uh, outsourcing, whatever you can. Um, you know, we do have a nanny, um, you know, I, I don't know, outsourcing, whatever you can, like we used to have a cook, it wasn't worth it financially for us anymore. So we got rid of her, but, um, I don't know, laundry, housekeeping, kids, the dog, like whatever it, you can. It takes to a help. team. Takes, yeah, yeah. I will say that team. it takes a team. And, uh, one, like our position is we have no family immediately close by, which makes it even harder. And so I think if people, you know, wanted to do the same and they're in medicine, they want to start up. Um, that's a lot. And so sure. the family close by is huge, you know, if you have kids. Um, and so, but it does take a team and we've realized that. And I think we've also converted to people that are very, you know, type a want to do it yourself to, okay, I'm, I'm fine with this, you know, being done here or there and, and kind of you know, handing out tasks, um, and kind of spreading that. Um, no, I think that's great. I think knowing, knowing what your strengths are, knowing what your weaknesses are finding, you know, outsourcing what you're not yeah, at or, or don't want or don't want to do. <laughs> um, yeah. No, I think that's awesome. Uh, I think that's, you know, thanks for being so open about that. I think that, you know, it's extremely insightful for sure. Um, well, I just want to thank you both for you know, taking time out of your, I mean, I don't know how you guys do it, all this stuff. <laughs> it's uh, incredibly impressive. So I uh, appreciate you guys taking the time. I guess the last thing is, and we'll, we'll link all this in the description, but just so people can hear it too, like where the website, any kind of sure. platforms, any other type of uh, content you guys are putting yeah, out there, yeah. where can people so, find it? So as a, as a candidate, you can get started looking for jobs and you can go to www.statcareers, statcareers.com and you can sign up and you can get started in minutes. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Rock, Casey, really appreciate it. Uh, thanks again for joining us. Uh, really insightful. And thank you for all you're doing to help with the the job search. It's, it's awesome. It's yeah, pleasure. Maxwell, thank our you pleasure. so much thank for having so much. us on. We're a huge fan of the, of the podcast. So thank you. Of course. Of course. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Da Vinci Hour podcast presented by Da Vinci Academy. Please be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel 
and follow the podcast on your podcast platform of choice to catch the latest episodes. Please leave a comment or a review and share it with a friend. Lastly, you can find all of our podcasts, video courses, and books on our website, dviacademy.com. Thank you for listening.